The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder, James Boyd came to give them life. The Blackest Wrestling Podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they kick it trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in this on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rude. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit a talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation The power of the Caribbean This is Mike from WrestlingObserver.com Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio uh, This is Kenny Omega, we're listening to One Nation Radio Check it out guys, these guys know what's up Big Kenny Omega fans, that's all it counts to me Goodbye and good night, hey Welcome to the August first edition of one nation radio this is your host rich and i am joined back by my co-host james boyd james welcome back to the show after your time off what's going on man how you been good man i'm just uh you know pumping out these shows drawing numbers you know uh living a life I see. I, I wasn't too sure about coming back. You know, solo rich is a real thing. Solo rich singles, man. <laughs> doing numbers out here. She'll, look, she'll be out here. She'll, look, you should come out here and see see what's going on and try to you know um, make some moves. I see what you're doing out here, you're doing big things. I'm happy for you, man. I'm, I, and now I'm I came back to 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 steal some shine. I've come back to to sandbag you. I've come back to sabotage. <laughs> Come back and stick the screws to you. So, uh, so where do you want to start? Oh man! Uh, first, you know, before we get into anything, make sure you guys are all all uh, dropping five star ratings on us on uh, Apple, uh, Stitcher, wherever you listen to the show. We, we need your ratings and and check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Uh, the Outsiders Edge with Ransom Carl, the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, keeping it strong style with Jeremy and Josh, and grown men watch this shit with Chris and Jeremy. Um, yeah, man, um, I was at the show, uh, SmackDown Live in Tampa. Um, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. But real quick, man, like you, you mentioned five stars and I had, I have, I haven't talked to you on air about it, but speaking of five stars, we, we, I have to, uh, award you to James boy, five stars to, uh, your rant on Alexa bliss cashing and <laughs> <laughs> going full damn avatar. Cause that was, you know, that's one of the, that's one of the all time classics. So yeah, I just had, I just had to bring it up to you for those that you know that that may have heard it even the first time or whatever else you need to go back and check it out again because that thing is hilarious. Oh yeah, man, I appreciate it, man. I was just so angry um, with that Alexa Bliss thing. I was like, how can I channel this into something that's absolutely hilarious that gets the point across and is not something that sounds sexist and if you you look at every single line there was nothing about the mention that she was a woman of her hair color or any type of you know thing that may have to do with like sexuality or anything like that 
this is strictly on performance. And I think, you know, it, it, I'll, I'll, you know, to my own horn, I think I blew it out the park. Uh, check it out on YouTube, doing great numbers and all that, if you guys haven't checked that out. But um, we got a lot to get to today. We're going to be talking about Raw. We're going to talk about SmackDown. We're also going to be talking about uh, Kota Ibushi versus Tomohiro Ishii from the G1, uh, which was absolutely incredible. I have a full match recap. I think James checked out NXT, so we got some thoughts on that. Um, everything coming soon here on one nation radio first things first we got to talk about today james roman reigns versus brock lesnar they are in full cell mode with this and i just have to say i don't think i've ever seen a company i don't see i don't think i've ever seen them bend over backward further for some somebody or to sell a feud or to try to get someone cheered than they did for Roman Reigns on Monday Night Raw. They they bent over so far, they came all the way back around, James. <laughs> yeah, man. I It was kind of funny because you wrote an article soon after uh, Roman vanquished Bobby Lashley to, to get this match at SummerSlam where you said that this is insanity. They're doing the same thing over and over and over again. And then, lo and behold, in the opening segment, Paul Heyman comes out and says, we did this four months ago. We've been doing this for four years. This is insanity. You're doing it over and over and over. How many times are you going to crack your head against the fucking pavement? And I, I just thought it was amazing. Like, Rich, you you may as well be writing for WWE. Yeah. Um, I, I, I noticed the same thing, too, when, um, when Heyman said that. I was like, oh, wow, Heyman read my shit. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> so these are all the things that they did, um, and, and I wrote them down. I may be missing some, so James, if you can think of anything else, feel free to jump in and, and insert. Okay. So they had okay. Brock Lesnar threaten not to walk out to the ring and say he made his contractual obligation by having him simply show up to the arena. They let Roman Reigns say bitch again. They they yeah. had Brock Lesnar they had Brock Lesnar jack up Paul Heyman backstage. They had Brock Lesnar jack up Paul Heyman in the ring. They had Brock Lesnar F five Kurt Angle, old ass Kurt Angle, who is all broke the fuck up that everyone loves. Yes, put him hit him with the F five. They had Brock say he doesn't watch the show and ask why would he watch the show? And he felt like uh he, he put a sentiment out there that many people have asked themselves over and over again. How did you feel when hey, you heard that part, James? When I when I heard that, I felt two things. I felt, wow, they're really all in on trying to get Brock Lesnar all the go away heat in the world, and they're and it's almost like they're doing a better version of what they did at WrestleMania. Like, I, like this is a better version. Like, they're doing a more effective job of trying to get um, more people onto Roman's side. But when he said that line about. I, why, why would I watch the show? I thought, you know what? We always <laughs> joke and make all these funny uh, kiki haha things about Brock Lesnar being a dummy. He's smarter than every single one of us for watching this fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> He's smarter than all of us. I haven't watched in months, and when I watched the show, I was like, oh god, they got you. I can't believe I can't believe I talked myself into watching this again. But Brock Lesnar is smarter than all of us. So, so yeah. Yes. So um, they then they had uh, Paul or Kurt Angle say Brock Lesnar is the worst Universal Champion ever, and they had Paul Heyman agree with him. Um, <laughs> they yeah. had Roman Reigns. I have a question. Yeah. Now, real quick. Did you think that was more him saying that to get a pop from the crowd, or do you think that was 
also him saying that because he was trying to side with Angle to try to save his job and Both. The contract. Both. I, okay. I, and, I, and I also I think it was a con because if you see when, when uh, yeah, Lesnar's music hit, this man, uh, Heyman, turned around with that evil face. Like, I think this is Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman's best performance in months. Um, <laughs> or years, excuse yeah. me. Um, Maybe a full year. Yeah. At least since the, the beginning of the Goldberg stuff. So from there, uh, earlier in the show, they had Roman Reigns steal on Baron Corbin uh, after he was getting laughed at uh, before getting led away by the police because of Stephanie McMahon. They had Brock say, where's my money to make him look like this money-grubbing guy and saying we can sell t-shirts to these fucking marks here in Miami that are going crazy because they came up with a shirt with their fucking city's name on it. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they had Roman Reigns like complain about Lesnar never showing up for work, but having plenty of time to go to the UFC to confront Daniel Cormier, and they mentioned him by name. They are promoting UFC yeah. on WWE TV in order to get people on Roman Reigns' side, and it all led to some we want Roman chants at the end, and I was flabbergasted. There were also no he's not chants, so don't let it fool you, but they did get those chants, so I just want to say, if they did not get those chants, they should fold the company. So <laughs> if they had to do all that, this is not any type of victory for them. Or is it a victory for them, James? Like, should they be proud of having to work this hard to get this guy cheered like this? I mean, look, obviously... In, in I know it doesn't matter either way because it happened or whatever, but... You know. Yeah, like in a, in a parallel uni- in a parallel universe, if you know the 2000, uh, uh, 2015 World Rumble never happens, um, this would make Roman Reigns a god, right? This would be this would be like we're making the next transcendent superstar. But we all know what happened. We don't need to go over that again. We are we know where we are and and what caused it to get to this point. I thought they did a really good job all night um, in making and Ro- making Roman uh, be the guy that like if. If you have any interest in this match whatsoever other than absolutely going to, you know, not watching it like Chad or shitting on it in Brooklyn to actually. Oh, yeah, that's going to happen. Reigns. I think they did a per- I think this is one of the best nights of television they've done with Roman. Like this goes up there with the night he signed that contract when he was about to get he was bent into into way over his head against uh, Braun Strowman when he uh, broke the turnbuckle by throwing, him, by throwing him into the top turnbuckle and signing that contract. This up there with the night that he won the title from Sheamus when he punched out uh, Vince. This is up there with after he got screwed out of TLC and beat the holy hell out of Triple H. This was up there one of those, like, they got that dude over for a night and they did a masterful job all night or a whole segment to get him to that point. Now, does that mean that this will transfer over to next week? Fuck no, because we all know what it is. It'll get him for a night, but but you have to keep. Let's see what they continue to do. If they can keep, if they can keep this up, they might have themselves. A, they might give themselves a one percent chance as opposed to a zero point one percent chance. All it is is playing percentages. Yeah, Brooklyn is still about to take a full dump on this match. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked uh, if, if that happens. They came out here. I, I feel like the storyline would be one of the most revered storylines in history if it had literally anyone else but Roman Reigns in it. Like, if this was Seth Rollins having these complaints, if this was Daniel Bryan having these complaints about Brock Lesnar, if this was Finn Absolutely. Balor, if this was somebody other than Roman Reigns, this would be working so much yeah. better. And I think that's like the story of the company at this moment. Yeah. And also, do be, and also you mentioned this about um, the Heyman uh, performance. Like, this was 
one of the best Brock performances since I don't know when. As far as just being, as far as just actually like being showing some personality besides his music hits, he walks out, he circles the ring, he comes in there with the ring, stands next to Paul, Paul pops him occasionally, he jumps, he hops around in, in place, and then leaves. Like, this was, like, him showing personality, like, look, I, I really, like, let you know, I'm full Jay Cutler, don't care. Yes. I thought that was great. And yes. actually showed, like, I don't even care about my manager, like, like I've been with Heyman for for over a decade. I still don't. Give, I don't even give a fuck. I'll file his ass too. Of, yeah, like I, I'm that much of a prick. Like so, I thought I thought this was really good work. Yeah, might so, be the only good thing they done did on the show this week. Yeah, it, it was a um, storyline that went all throughout the TV, um, kind of like an attitude era type thing. Uh, if they could get to that more often, uh, they might have a chance to do better numbers and all that. But this is a uh, you know, I, I think it's a small victory no matter how, how you look at it, but they've got three weeks to go. They still got to go up the whole East Coast, and they know what's waiting for them in Brooklyn. The next thing we have to talk about here today is Braun Strowman and how they've made him look like a plate full of the finest piss of, of a... <laughs> like, I can't believe they had this man come out here and A, wrestle Jinder Mahal barely... B, lose like a geek um, on a countout. And C, the most egregious offense of them all, not cash in the money in the bank briefcase the first chance he got like he said he would the day after money in the bank. James, are you buying into my theory that they have fucked this man again? Um... And they I had mean, someone bring it up on the show that Lesnar, uh, that Strowman may yeah. cash in on Lesnar. They made it look really bad on Monday. Um, like, I thought all along that once Owen stole the briefcase, that he was going to haul ass out of there, and that would have been perfect. Because then Kevin Owens can't show up, and if Kevin Owens does show up, you won't hear that, you won't hear that roar come out there, and then Braun's going to hawk him down and whoop some ass. Yeah. Or... You just, or that just gets him out of the way, and then there's an excuse to be able to write him off and say that Ron Strowman can't cash in because he doesn't have the briefcase to actually do that, or the or the contract inside the briefcase to do that. So therefore, Brock's a safe man, and also you're adding into the story of Brock is this spoiled, privileged guy that gets everything, and he's lazy, and this is more more shit that actually is like falling into his luck's way, so or falling into place for his luck. So that would have made him even more detestable. They could have had instead, they could have had a thing where they had Heyman put Owens up to stealing the briefcase, so he couldn't cash in. That would have really like put something in there and be like, "Don't you want that briefcase, case KO?" So yeah, just take it from him. You, like you know, the last time you know he was out here, he said he was going to cash it in on Brock, and then you explain all that shit away. Yeah, yeah, that is similar to like when. When the shield first showed up, you kind of you find out that later that like, oh okay, they're in Heyman's pocket. Right. They're the one that's out here, you know, you know, doing favors for CM Punk because he's on they're on the payroll. That'd have been cool, but you know, it, but instead they decide he's he said for weeks and weeks and weeks or whatever else that he's going to cash in on Brock the second day that man shows up in a, a in an arena, like. And then they made him out to be a liar. I mean, back in the '80s, you know, that would have been a big deal, right? Because but now it's like you nothing know, fucking nothing matters, ever, James. They, you, you, nothing ever matters, so nothing. So 
people might look at it and be like, eh, they could have told a better story with that, but ultimately they're still probably going to watch and just what they're going to be less enthused. Like you're just killing enthusiasm. So, for the product. <laughs> wow. So, there you go. Thanks, guys. Um, Moving on from that, uh, Baron Corbin is the absolute drizzling shits. Uh, I don't ever need to see him wrestle on my television again. They came out here and had him do a 20-minute match, James. Was this the, the the week of finessing the live audience? If you paid to, to uh, go to Monday Night Raw, you didn't sign up for a Baron Corbin match that went 20 minutes. I luckily didn't pay to go to SmackDown Live, but had I done that, I wouldn't have, have been pleased. Um, I would have felt like I was finessed, um, you know, for more than my time by seeing a 15-minute Carmella match. Um, <laughs> but back to the Baron Corbin, bro. Baron Corbin is trash. They had this man doing these chin locks over and over and over again. Every time you came back from commercial, I thought it was a fucking rerun, James. Like I, I thought like like my stream like had crashed and like something like, you know, rejiggered or something. But no. This is this same motherfucker trying to do this wear down spot and while everyone just grounding Finn Balor, the great performer that he is. This guy, Finn Balor, he's ruined beyond belief, James. This this match reminded me of like, obviously not as good because he's not he can't lace dude's boots. But this reminded me of like '90s Undertaker matches on Raw. Obviously the matches on Raw never went 20 minutes, but they but like if this was a seven minute match or whatever else, like it's the tall is the big tall guy beating the living hell out of his opponent, taking like 80 percent or more of the office the whole entire the whole entire match, and you know and then you know who knows what happens after that, but like. The fact that he took that much of the match, dominated that much of the match, you get one little uh, comeback, and then he just misses it, and then Bauer just to miss his move, and then get beat in the middle clean, and then gets asked after the match. He's like, <laughs> yo, this dude, is just, this dude is like out here getting just demolished right now. I don't... Not now, only right about, now. Yeah, we've talked about Bauer and, and getting buried and all this kind of stuff. This was... This wasn't as bad as the Kane situation where, he, like, he just beats AJ Styles and then goes on and loses um, the next night to Kane. But it's, in seven it's, minutes, it's about clean. As bad. It's in the same realm of terrible. Yeah, um, it's just. Like, battle, what, what is he even doing? What is he even doing at SummerSlam? He's gonna be on the card. Look, that man fucking around and being catering, you know, um, two years after being the uh, Universal Champion, uh, being the Demon. The demon ain't, ain't nowhere to be found. Uh, the dude is coming out there smiling every week, looking like a jackass, even though he loses all the time. I don't know, man. The only the only thing that the only thing that uh, Balor has going for him right now is how well he is how well moisturized his beard is right now. That's about it. <laughs> and also, you saw the thing Sheenan. You saw well, during the you saw the thing Sheenan. Yes, he's not looking like LeBron. Bitch, you dumb. And and also the checks is cut. That that's that's the other uh, part that he has going right yeah. now. Um, he has a pretty has a pretty good tan going for him right now too. Yeah, but that's um, it. What else? Uh, randomly, did they have on the show? They had a match with um, Natalia. And Mickey James, why? Or excuse me, not not Mickey James. They had a match with Natalia and Alicia Fox. Right. So does anybody know what happened with that? As far as Mickey James, because I, I believe she was originally the person that was supposed to be in that match, and then all of a sudden they just audible to Alicia. I yeah. thought it was kind of odd. 
Yeah. I also thought it was pretty interesting considering the history with Alicia and uh, Rousey. Yes. So. If you guys didn't know, there was an incident over WrestleMania weekend where Alicia Fox got into it with uh, Ronda Rousey's husband, supposedly, and like yelled at him. And she pretty much got told, don't show up to WrestleMania, essentially. And... Yeah. Now, um, she's in the match, and of course, you know, they never let Alexa wrestle at all, ever, on TV right. as the champion. Um, they could have given her a win this week against somebody, right? Anyone? Yeah. Is there a baby yeah. face for her to fight? I'm not sure, but, um, yeah. I mean, I'm, nah, I mean, I'm not uh, letting her beat no, Ember Moon. Squad, Naya, Sasha, and Bailey are doing their tag thing right now. Yeah, they're kind of. Fuck it, give her a jobber. Fuck it, give her a jobber. They gave um, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, give her a jobber. Give her Dana Brooke. Fuck it. Uh, I know that match would be bowling shoe ugly, but um, <laughs> yeah, real bad. <laughs> Michael Jackson. Um, <laughs> they, yeah, but do you notice how you notice how Kurt Angle is like almost like Teddy Long from from SmackDowns of, of years past, where it's like, oh, you out here, oh, you out here acting up. You will go one-on-one with Ronda Rousey next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so next week we've got a Ronda Rousey and Alicia Fox uh, match. Uh, and this is a big thing. Uh, Ronda's finally going to wrestle on Monday Night Raw. We're finally past the fake storyline suspensions to keep her off TV. Um, we're, we're past the point of her just randomly being a manager for people. We're going to see her in the ring. And it's interesting... The uh, location of the match is going to be in Jacksonville, Florida, which is, you know, they they obviously were in Miami, then they were in Tampa. I wonder where they're going to be all week. The Performance Center, making sure that shit goes according to plan, and I think um, she's going to come through, and it's going to be a good match. My, my kind of, I, I guess I kind of, um, I get what you're saying about that, but for me it's kind of like, what what is there to practice about? I slap I, I punch you. I slap on armbar, or I score. I or I single leg you. Slap on armbar. Like this match should go by in like this match should be should not last longer than any like nineties Tyson fight. This thing should be done with quick. <laughs> yeah, A flash man. finish. Next thing we want to talk about is SmackDown Live. Now, SmackDown Live was here in Tampa, Florida. I was in attendance with Jeremy Donovan of Keeping It Strong Style. What up, Jeremy? And we had a decent time. It was, you know, pretty fun. You know, we sat back, watched the show, kind of just enjoyed ourselves. Um, There was a lot of promos. I wish there was more wrestling. I wish there was better wrestling. Uh, We did get to see AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura against each other in about a 10-minute dark match. Uh, AJ Styles defeated him clean with the Styles Clash, and it was just, I was kind of just looking at the ring just in shock. I was like, wow. I yelled out, I'll never forget you, Wrestle Kingdom 10. And as I just watched the match, I, I struggled to care, care about um, at all. Um, and this show, it, you know, <clears throat> the crowd in Tampa, it was a very different crowd than a lot of indie shows that I've gone to. This was families. This was people that 
just watch WWE. This was a very like kind of laid back audience that got excited. They wanted to hear the wrestlers make their entrances, hear the theme songs, um, watch, you know, the, 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 they were into the promos. They were into pretty much everything on the show except uh, 205 Live, which I'll get to in a moment. Um, <laughs> um, I basically was watching a guy empty his gun on, it was, you know, before Raw. They have uh, superstars that tapes. So they had Titus O'Neil, who got a mammoth pop in his hometown here, against Mike Kanellis. This dude was literally standing up, emptying the gun, using all his voice on heckling Mike Kanellis. Uh, me and Jeremy were getting a good laugh. Uh, a lot of those folks uh, just wasting all their they pops on superstars matches. I was like, rookie. Like, <laughs> like, 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 learn. So, um... I looked over and same guy was pretty much dead like midway through the show. He just he didn't know how to conserve. But um, the funniest thing for me was the crowd burying 205 Live like that, and it was just so such a juxtaposition on the reputation that 205 Live has on the internet essentially, and um, and what we think these guys are all good wrestlers. It you know the show makes sense and everything like that. The people behind me were absolutely. Burying this show left and right. They <laughs> and why wouldn't they, James? You're muted. What were some of the things they were saying? So, um, the things they were saying, so basically they were saying, are these D League wrestlers? Like like it was the like mm-hmm. minor league baseball or something. They said, Man, they need to hurry gotcha. this hurry this shit up. I don't even know why this cruiserweight shit existed, or I didn't even know this cruiserweight shit existed. I ain't come here for this shit. These must be the lightweight wrestlers. We want tables during Nice and Kaliso. And the main event of um, the show, Cedric Alexander, who is the champion, who some of them recognize, um, against Brian Kendrick, got a huge This Is Boring chant all over the section that I was in. And I was just like, this is crazy. And... The thing is, like like I was saying before, why wouldn't they bury this shit? They have no national TV exposure. They, they were clowning Leo Russ saying he looked four foot two. They were <laughs> they, they were just all over these dudes. And they were like, Man, we were waiting for uh, like Nakamura and Styles because you know that's what they announced as right. the dark main event. So right. uh, but you know, overall it was a fun show. I had a I had a decent time. You know, I, I pretty much still watched it with my critical eye. I didn't get caught up in the moment uh, of just going nuts for interests, but um I watched and how did it go over on uh T V, James? Well, I gotta be uh real frank with you. Um the guys that are behind you that were out here burying two or five live, I wasn't exactly like them, but um, but I also wasn't watching two or five live either. I can only tell you about SmackDown, and I thought the crowd came around came out as a as a good crowd during the SmackDown show. Yeah, uh, especially during the the Usos versus Bar match, they they were really they were really into that. Um, they were into the Samoa Joe promo. Um, it seemed like they were really into Daniel Bryan and Miz uh, doing the, the yes ring versus uh jumbotron or titantron deal and i thought that they you know i thought they were very respectful to to charlotte and 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 carmella so i thought i thought it was a good crowd yeah um Uh, now i want now i have a question for you because you know how it is when you when you watch a wwe television show how how, what was the how what was the hard side uh how was our camera side uh 
looking like? What so, the hard cam? So, so what was that looking like? So they, it looked like the building was about like eighty five percent, maybe ninety percent full. Um, the hard side had pretty much all the sections covered. There was a few areas tarped off, um, all the way at the top. There were like three sections tarped off, but yeah. aside from that, it was a really like, you know, big crowd. Like that, they, they obviously have roots here, like in Tampa, essentially, like it's a huge right. wrestling area and you literally saw like all walks of life. Uh, I felt like I, I saw a little bit of everybody out there. I saw I saw us out there. I saw older folks. I saw families. I saw like wrestling fans. It, it, it was a really diverse crowd, um, you know, in Tampa. So, um, other than that, this was the show of promos. Um, as I mentioned before, um, Carmella is reverse excellence. I'm I'm done. Um, <laughs> I I just can't handle it. Um, Everything in the match with her and Charlotte, I felt like it just didn't click. And, you know, the crowd was watching that match. You know, I was, like, there. I didn't really get a sense of anyone thinking, wow, this is a great match. Like, like, wow, this is really the main event? We paid to watch a 15-minute Carmella match? Fuck. But what did you think of that match, James? I thought it was a good match. I thought, I mean, I, I would say if you were actually to rate it, I would say probably like two and two quarters, two and a half. But, I mean, it's Carmella, and Carmella typically puts out one-star bangers uh, on pay-per-view. So so she's over you, 100% go, better. Out, so, so if you're going by the expectation, it seems as if she can be carried to an average match if she's wrestling perhaps one of the five or so greatest American women wrestlers of all time. If she can do that on a consistent <laughs> basis, she'll be she'll be a good wrestler. She'll be an okay wrestler. So that's what that's where we are. So, she has to be in the ring with the with 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 the with the prod, prodigy of Ric Flair. That's what she has to do to have a good match. So, but honestly, I, she, to me, she didn't. I didn't really remember her fucking anything up. Um, I thought she tried really hard. And I don't really have anything else to say because she's only but so good, and that's where we are right now. But the thing is, if, if they're going to have her on TV, it, even like after and after like past this title reign, she's going to be on TV. And they're going to give her mic time to do this kind of stuff. She's going to have to learn how to have matches of that caliber or better. And this is a, this is at least a step forward. She's making some progress. Yeah. Um, the big story coming out of this was Charlotte defeating Carmella and earning her way into the triple threat match, and apparently this sent the internet into just a full meltdown. Uh, I, I guess, you know, Charlotte, people are not here for this. This is Becky Lynch's time. I sarcastically made the amount, the, uh, the remark, Becky Lynch never gets a birthday um, because <laughs> she always has to share the spotlight with somebody else. It is now a triple threat master beating Carmella repeatedly on TV while she's the champion, completely ruining uh, and making that title look worse. And... Is this a situation where she's going to be able to sneak out of of SummerSlam with the belt? Or is this just like a way to get into this Becky versus Charlotte feud that feels like it is in the oven right now, heating up? I can, I can see it definitely happen. I can definitely see like Becky finally having enough of being, you know, the, the literally the redheaded uh, stepsister, stepdaughter or whatever else, and finally saying, like, nah, what about me for once, right? Enough about Charlotte, what about me for once? Uh, and and that leaves that leaves now Carmella with the opportunity to back her way out with, with the belt. And that can also lead, especially because we're only two months away, that can lead to building towards adding to the evolution card. 
where you have, all right, we're going to have Carmella in a title match versus Asuka again, I don't know. And then you have Becky versus Charlotte in a, in a, in a feud. And, no, I mean, fucked up that sounds, James. You, you, right, it does sound <laughs> fucked up. But the thing is, you know that they're going to have to eventually start doing some some feuds. We talked about this on, on Chad's show. About we're gonna have to eventually start having feuds that don't involve the belt. It can't just be title title feud and then everybody else has to fuck off. It has to be we're gonna have to have, have to have a, a secondary and a tertiary feud for the women um, to make this make sense, especially that we have this pay per view coming up. If they're gonna do that, I'd much rather them take the Nikki Bella and Carmella route, where <laughs> where they just build something away from the belt with like lesser performers rather than putting the the better performance in the secondary storyline because we saw Jinder Mahal be the champion last year uh, and fight Randy Orton while AJ Styles and Kevin Owens were told to perform underneath them. Like, and it just threw everything off. I think if they're doing this with the women, they should put the best people on top and then work from there. But Rich, my point is we kind of passed that because like we've been getting these Alexa Bliss views for the last two years. So we passed that. You're like, right. We just gonna be like <laughs> the whole entire woman, the whole entire women's revolution has been based off been on the backs of we have these four women that are great wrestlers. Oh, and then we signed this one from Japan named Asta. She's freaking awesome. Oh, and we signed one of Ronda Rousey's homegirls as, as any wrestler that turned into any wrestler that used to be an MMA fighter, and she's all now very very good. Oh, and we got another uh, girl from Japan, and we ha- we have all this talent. Oh, and we have this one girl that's um that was a track track star that's, that's green but like is a freak athlete. And they and they've added all those people in. That's what they've said is that we have all these people. We're just gonna like focus on two of them. We're not gonna actually like try to make all these people gigantic or make them one A or two A or or one B or two B. We're just gonna have one right here, and that's Ric Flair's daughter. And then everybody else has got to get it get in where they fit in because we're still gonna try to push these other women that aren't that talented. Why? Because they have quote-unquote character. As if we give a flying fuck about character when you have to sit through a 10-minute match just piss poor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> y'all already know. Uh, I'm not here for these bad matches. I'm not here for the bullshit. Uh, you saw me going in on Baron Corbin. Um, if Carmella and Alexa Bliss want to continue their bullshit, uh, they will continue to verbally get these hands um, on this show. <laughs> um but someone else that I, I that actually cut a great promo, and I'm kind of looking forward to the match with Samoa Joe. Um, now, James, you were watching this promo at the crib. How did this come across on TV? Joe kind of had his back to the side of me, so I didn't get to look mm-hmm. in Joe's eyes when he was do- when he was um, delivering this. But it sounded mean. It sounded intense, and it sounded real. Okay, I guess the best way I can describe it is. On the level of excellence of, of a, a Samoa Joe promo, um, like, if 10 is, it was so great that he needs somebody to come out and, and put a cape over him like he's James Brown because he's sweating <laughs> and he was that excellent, um, and that's 10, Samoa Joe needed that damn James Brown cape guy because that, that dude is just the best promo in the company right now. Like, I believe every word he says, Rich, even when I know he's lying, I believe it. Like, he's that good. <laughs> I was going to say, so great, the, the one I was gonna say like, the one thing about this promo for me, like, was it had nothing to do with Samoa Joe. It's like, wow, they asked him to really, like, call AJ Styles a bad father and all this other unbelievable stuff that we can't verify or anything that 
and it worked like <laughs> they 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 didn't lean on the history too much they basically gave you like a drip of water like uh you know right. alluding to their history which i thought right but obviously here, is the direction to go but wwe wants to do their own shit so right but but I, but the thing was for him to say to like you scratched and clawed for your whole career aj and i respect that you care so much about your career that everything comes secondary, including your wife and your kids and your family. And you and you go on the road and you leave them behind. And you talk about the joy that it would uh, that uh, your yeah, your youngest daughter is going to have, knowing about the, the evolution and what women can do and all this kind of stuff. Meanwhile, you ain't there to see the smile and joy on her face. You're on the road. You're a Rolling Stone. Like, Bro, he's saying like, but you know what? I'm going to take you off the road because I'm going to end you. I was like, dude. It's personal, Rich. It's personal. So, it's so good. now this is only a wild conspiracy theory that I've been, you know, tracking uh, for years now. But what if Samoa Joe is kicking in the door on this supposed AJ Styles and Charlotte shit? You really gonna put this on the air? <laughs> If y'all don't know what I'm talking really, about, check just, IG. Yes, 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 I'm doing reckless, it, James. Reckless speculation. Yes, absolutely reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. Yes, I, I, I have not verified this with anyone. I have I have only done uh, Twitter research and Instagram research, but y'all know what it is. Type in AJ Styles and Charlotte on a Twitter search and see what comes back. If Samoa Joe busts this shit open, oh my God. <laughs> I can't believe you really going to leave this on the, sh- on the show? I, I- <laughs> Okay. It's not like he went out there and said, like, you know, even though you've been having some, you know, Charlotte days or some shit like that. He didn't even say nothing like that. He was like, you've been on the road. Cause you're, so, you're so focused on being, on, on reaching your goal. Bruh. and actually, like, caring look, for look, your family. Like, look, he's saying that. I didn't. He's saying that man ain't a family man. Let that man pull up, pull up an IG and put that shit on on the Titan Tron on the Summer Grit Jam screen. Be like, look at look at yourself, AJ. Look at you here, <laughs> bro. I'll lose my shit if that happens. But um, you know, the only Bruh, yeah. I, I hope you don't ever have to. I hope AJ don't ever fall in on you. I hope AJ don't ever run up on you. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <sighs> oh man, um. Daniel Bryan and Miz, um, they had, I think, the best uh, back and forth of the night, um, exceeding the women, exceeding, uh, you know, pretty much anything else that happened this week, um, until the end, of course. Um, they had to do the wacky shit, but leading up to this, uh, it was nothing but fire uh, from both directions, dishing it out, taking it, and it was a much-needed think- step up from last week. Where yeah, Miz, Miz was hiding a child, like, James. <laughs> I think Miz might be the best uh, straw man heel we have in the co- or no, the second best. Like obviously, number one is Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens come out here and tell you, I'm not going. I like I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. Why? Because I'm out here doing evil things, uh, and, he, <laughs> and, he, and it worked. So um, yeah, I would say he's number two because like Daniel Bryan hit that man with nothing but that true serum, right? Yeah. And 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 that, and that shit was burning. He said they called that man soft and a coward, and you you out here hiding. And you not you not showing up to work why? Because you're scared of me. What I'll do when I get when I put these hands on you when I punch you in your face, and it's like yeah, this that's all like you know every, that plays into what they were doing two years ago. And I don't know how they managed to do it, but after this thing had been 
played out and two years ago, and it's been in the past, you're able to spark it right back. And Miz brought it back into his face, called him, he's like, I'm not the coward, you're the coward. And I thought it was great. And then they did the baby Bro, thing, and I was like... He told that me. man to let his contract expire, and the whole crowd cheered. Yeah, let the contract expire, and then go wrestling for the dozens of people. Now, when I say the dozens of people, that just plays some part about him being a straw man. It's like, you know, damn good damn well, if he goes and leaves his company, yes. he's going, <laughs> he is going he is to, going to the Tokyo Dome. Of people just, yeah, right, so... But it was a good one because obviously, you know, you're playing on the part of, you're playing on the thing of history is this has always been an indie darling guy that, that made it up through the ranks and then became a huge, a huge superstar. And that was in spite of Miz trying to quote unquote hold him down as he's an ego guy that can't really work and all that kind of stuff. That played into the histories that they've had with each other since 2010. And they touched on that. And I thought that, I thought that was a mass struggle of genius because like, you know, we, you know, you talked about this being a promo, promo, promo heavy show and it was. I feel like most. I feel like almost all these promos were great. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, I thought the Carmelo thing was really good. I thought that the Small Joe thing was 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 five stars, right? And up until they put the, the fucking babies in, on the screen, we, we, we were we were on the, we are we were at the Samoa Joe level. We were there. So, but it was so good that like, yeah, that sucked at the end, but like, it was still great because I can't say that like, one little thing. That was the very end of it, like ruined it. I can just like cut that off in my mind. <laughs> yeah, um, a, lo- a lot of the stuff was popping the crowd, like from both ends, and I felt like we were at a stalemate. So that's all we can ask for. Both guys look strong, and it, this is a match that I really want to see. I'm glad we're getting it now. No reason to stretch it out to WrestleMania. Obviously, Dan Bryan ain't got shit else going on. So, <laughs> so run it now, and then uh, reap the benefits come SummerSlam, and hope. In hope that they don't start Daniel Bryan's chance during Roman Reigns' match. Yeah, so on Chad's show um, this week when we were on, Chad asked me what was my enthusiasm level for Joe versus AJ um, based off of what they've done recently with AJ and Nakamura. What, what was my... My, was my level, and I was at six. I didn't actually hear what you said your number was. What would your number have been before this promo? I think it was a seven. I believe. A seven? Yeah. Where is it now after the Joe promo? I would probably say seven and a half is going to be interesting because this is not a championship match anymore, as you mentioned. This is personal. AJ Styles is out here proving his love, fighting for his pride, essentially. And you know what that means? They're about to switch the title. Like it feels like yeah, it like feels I, like they they could easily yeah. switch the title like that. I could be wrong, and you know I've seen a lot of advertisements still with AJ Styles and Samoa Joe on them for months, y'all months. I'm not gonna let oh, yeah, this, uh, let y'all oh, yeah, know how long uh, in the future it is, but yeah, it's a long time. So maybe they start with this time with the title change that they didn't do in the Nakamura program. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think I mean they should be going for months, like. Given where we are at this time of the year, and also it's the first match of it, like, yeah, like, you expect this thing to get to, you know, around Survivor Series, and then it's going to play a, it's gonna play a part into the Survivor Series men's match in a similar fashion to how, uh, how it was with AJ and, and Dean Ambrose two years ago, possibly. Like, this thing could be, like, the, the, the saving grace for the company for the second half or the last uh, third of the year. Could be. Last thing we have to talk about today. Now, I've been watching the G1 on and off. Obviously, the G1 schedule is 
uh, for no games. Uh, <laughs> if, if you thought you was just going to watch every single match, I think the only guys that are doing that are keeping it strong style and Joe Lanza. Uh, every, all the rest of us are trying to get in where we fit in, finding the good stuff. But I definitely wanted to give you guys a recap of Abushi and Ishii, which I think is going to uh, be north of five stars. I wouldn't be shocked. Um, James, first, what did you think of this match? And then I'll go into the review. I thought this match was great. I just watched it maybe uh, five minutes before we started doing this show. Um, Ten minutes before we started doing the show, I thought this match was incredible. Uh, another classic Ishii match, another classic uh, Ibushi match. Um, it was also, you know, the great thing about the G1 is when you put these styles together and see how that works out, because not everybody's working the same style with the, with the difference being just one or two moves here and there. Uh, and those Ishii matches are always, you know, flat out grown man's business. So I, so this was cool to see somebody that looks like a Jonas brother, or somebody that looks like a, <laughs> someone looks like a pop a pop star have to get into it. And he was he was he, he stood up to the challenge with the so smoke. It was, it was great. Yeah, man. Yeah. So so if you guys didn't see the match, I'm gonna go through it here. <clears throat> um, Kota Ibushi versus. Tomohiro Ishii. Ishii walked to the ring like he had been in wild street brawls for seven days straight. Off rip, they were running it like they had beef from elementary school. Striking, kicks, flips in the first 20 seconds. Then they go into a forearm battle that had that if a normal man was in it, they would have submitted right there. And a minute had not passed yet. Uh, from there, Ishii took control with the headbutts, and it was Chopper City like Buddy from the band after that. Chops left and right uh, um, exchanging uh, on each other. Uh, it went into a standoff from there where Ishii yelled at him in Japanese to bring it for real, uh, according to Rocky Romero. Um, Abushi tried, but clearly he wasn't ready at that point, and he ended up getting bludgeoned with chops and bows so hard in the corner, Luke Harper and Eric Rowan should have to change the name of their tag team. This only <laughs> seemed to wake Abushi up. I, I don't understand. Um, it was like it was like in the old days where they said it takes Greg Valentine a little while to get going. Abushi got beat on, and it only made him realize, if I do not fight this man, I will die in this ring. And it, <laughs> And still, um, he got, he got clobbered with a forearm after that. Uh, from there, yeah, um, that forearm knocked him out cold, seemingly. Yes. Um, from there, Abushi and Ishii ran the ropes back and forth, and Abushi caught him with a drop kick that was just beautiful. From there, uh, it was an Irish whip into the corner, a flip uh, over Ishii by Abushi, and a roll through. From there, a snap rana before a plancha, you know, the, he had a snap rana on Ibushi that took, or excuse me, on Ishii that took him to the outside before a plancha uh, on Ishii. And this is only the first four minutes of the match, James. Um, yeah. And then we were in the crowd like Stone Cold Steve Austin in 1998. Uh, after threatening essentially doing a last ride powerbomb deep into the crowd on the concrete, he hurricanrated Ishii um, while he was reversing a powerbomb. And then from there, you knew what it was. He started walking up to the balcony. So, Ibushi at this point is basically leading a yes chant. And he's standing on top of the balcony on the edge. Like, just, you know, I imagine 
covered in sweat at this point and slippery shoes and you know everything like that and he stood on the balcony and the world knew what it was this man hit an incredible moonsault and all Rocky Romero could say was this man had no fear back in the ring after that drop kick to the back of the head from the top rope from Ibushi and a half suplex for a two count mid kick mid kick Ishii told him to put some sauce on it another mid kick from there, they were saying this was Ibushi or Ishii's only uh, weakness in the tournament were mid kicks. And from there, Ibushi started giving them the disrespect boots on the top of the head. And at this point, Ishii is like, what the fuck you think this is, bruh? And he stands up and, and does that classic Tomohiro, it's time you know, to for all the games to stop face. He followed, followed that up by giving him a stalling superplex and Ibushi rolled through that shit, bruh. He rolled through that shit. Not only did he roll through that, he got hit with a German suplex, and Ibushi rolled through that shit also. He stood up, and he had a crazy look in his eye, and Ishii looked like he was in disbelief and charged him. Um, So what happens? He dragon suplexes Ibushi, but he flips and lands on his feet. From there, it was a headbutt, a German suplex, and a roll through by Ishii, a big kick by Ibushi, and they finally both fell down with the delayed cell. This was amazing. Um, from there, they got back up, and it was a slap by Ishii and a combo of forearms, left and right side. From there, Abushi answered by smacking the fire out of this man, <laughs> and he lawn darted him into the corner and pushed his neck back, um, you know, into his shoulders. What neck? What yes, neck? yes. What neck? <laughs> well, the one that barely okay, exists. Look, Ishii, Ishii, and Brock Lesnar are alive today because they have no necks. Yes, um, from there, there were more disrespect pick kicks, and all that did, did, James, was reactivate Ishii. I don't know what that was. It was like, you know, um, when you fuck off for too long in the old WCW, uh, in the old WCW video games, where the guy get the momentum back, that's what this was. <laughs> you, know, so- <laughs> you, know what you know what, when I watch this match... I don't know what I don't know what it is. Guys say that they're really into into wrestling and they and they, and they watch tape, or whatever. Apparently, nobody ever scouts uh, Ishii because people always want to come with disrespect, and people people keep seem to forget that disrespect will not be tolerated by Tommy Hero Ishii. He will fire up and slap fire through you. Yes. Uh, from there, they traded you ain't shit slaps that will make Stephanie McMahon blush. I'm talking like thirty of them until Ishii <laughs> collapses. Ibushi kicked him square in the head, penalty kick style, and Ibushi looks like the biggest badass on the planet at this point. Ishii then took it up another level. Huge chops to the throat with the forearm, and he beat Ibushi like a child. From there, Ibushi gets this sick look on his face, and he stands up. And then Ibushi responded with the most devastating move of the match. He cocked his fist and he brings it up from Mississippi and punches Ishii square in the fucking throat and then palm strikes wait, him and wait, lariats wait, 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 wait. him. Wait, wait, Before that, before that, the part that you're, you're forgetting one thing. The exchange right before them when Ishii was beating the hell out of uh, Ibushi, he was chopping him in the throat. Yes, so yeah, no, I said that. Yes, I, I said that. Yep. And then he gave him the last ride. Powerbomb, only a two. From there, Ibushi pulled his knee down like everything up to his knee pad down like everything up to this point was completely ineffective. <laughs> Ibushi, or excuse me, Ishii reversed the Kamigoye with a head charge to the body, gave him multiple headbutts until Ibushi dropped him with one of his own, and then he German suplexed Ishii for a two count. 
Kamigoye attempt. Ishii leaned back like Fat Joe in 2004 and reversed him into a sunset flip, but did not go for the pin. Um, and he did Abushi's own fucking move to him. Um, at this point, I knew this shit was insane. Abushi looks fucking dead, and it looks like he's seeing spirits. Ishii did from there did Abushi's other move, a powerbomb pin combo for two. Hit him with a 360 lariat, still kicks out at two. Abushi then hit Ishii's brain buster, and Ishii no sells it and stands up. From here, Abushi goes two strikes and gets swatted out the air both times. Then Ishii hit the Bad News Brown ghetto blaster that rocks Abushi, but Abushi responds with a sliding knee to the face since Ishii was already down for a count of fucking one, James Boyd. What the fuck? <laughs> From there, it was, you know, back of the head slaps, kick, headbutt, kick, Kamagoye, Ibushi, one, two, three. This isn't a five-star match. This is at least a 5.75, maybe a six. This was incredible. Yeah, my favorite my favorite segment of the match is Ishii, like, doing the, the Neo and ducking back and avoiding the Kamagoye, rolling, rolling Rolling underneath it, rolling through, getting him in almost in position where it's almost like a like a jackknife, not jackknife cradle, almost like a uh, like a sunset flip cradle, and then like getting up and then hitting him with his own move. Like I was like, yeah. and then the sell job that it, that Ibushi does, where he's leaned back like all the way back, like bent like bent over his forelegs and just you, you almost see his soul like rise on his body. <laughs> it, 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 was, it, it was great. Like that match was incredible, and I mean. It was from it was from the get go. Off, off, off real. Like, the match was what? Like how long is the match? It's like is six, it even twenty minutes long. It's like sixteen minutes. Sixteen minutes long, and just they're they're just like on each other, kicking each other's ass. Like it was great. Unbelievable! If you guys have not seen that match, hopefully that entertaining review will <laughs> will help you uh, seek that out. It was the July twenty eighth show in the B block. But um, that's pretty much going to wrap up One Nation Radio for today. Um, make sure you guys check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. The Outsiders Edge with Rance and Carl. The Ricky and Clive Wrestling Podcast. Keeping it strong style. And grown men watch this shit. James, you got anything to add before we get up out of here? Nah, I'm back. For now. <laughs> See, we about to finesse y'all because Jan's out here watching NXT. So we about to have him start talking about NXT. So look out for that over the weekend. Um, and, of course, check out uh, the columns I've put out recently. Um, wrote one about Randy Orton basically being a legend with no country. Uh, you, you're not really going to find too many vocal Randy Orton super fans out there. And it's just a look at his career that it feels like Randy Orton's Carmelo Anthony right now, bro. And it's just like... I don't know, man. Um, also, you know, the aforementioned Brock Lesnar and Reigns column. And keep checking out One Nation Radio. Keep Make sure you guys seek out that Alexa Bliss uh, rant if you haven't heard it. But we are back in full force, One Nation Radio. And we'll holler at y'all next time. So we up out of here. Peace. Thank you for listening to One Nation Radio. We'll see you next time. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.